With the Heat still fighting to avoid the play-in tournament, we're joined by Brandon Tobin to talk about Miami's inconsistent season, playoff expectations, and much more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Dave Mill. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day and for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. We're here today with Brendan Tobin, who hosts Tobin and Leroy from 10 to 2 on WQAM. We're going to get his thoughts on this weekend's loss to the Nets, the Heat's defensive issues over the last few games, and then update our Heat culture bracket in a minute. But before we get to all of that good stuff, Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, uh, reported uh, this afternoon, actually like a few minutes right before we started recording here, that the reason the Heat did not make a big trade before today, uh, this year's deadline is because other teams wanted a first-round pick attached to either Kyle Lowry or Duncan Robinson. And then the reason that they didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell over last summer is because Utah was asking for too much. Uh, Brendan, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, what do you make of, of Barry's report here? Um, I don't think anything is too surprising out of that after, uh, you know, kind of reading what it has been after that. I think that the Heat are pretty wary of uh, wanting to attach picks to fix their mistakes. They have done that before. And, you know, if that comes at the benefit of getting a Jimmy Butler on your team, you do it. If that comes, mm-hmm. you know, at the benefit at the time of getting a Kyle Lowry on your team, you know, you'll attach a young guy like Precious Chua to make those deals happen. But just to kind of make it go away and, you know, who knows what they're going to get in return. I understand it. I think you got to kind of keep those things in the holster. Picks have become kind of the new cachet thing that everybody wants in all these deals. You need a bevy of them, it seems like, because everybody wants the next Rudy Gobert trade. And so that currency is just really, tr- you know, changed up. So I think the Heat are kind of just keeping those stuff uh, close to the vest. And the best thing that they can do is, you know, kind of get what they have, you know, probably hoped to get from Kyle Lowry is what they got recently, which is some pretty positive play. Because then if you do want to go in a different direction in the summer, maybe you don't have to attach that to a, a final year there. You know, Duncan, I don't know what they're going to do as far as that contract's concerned because they've completely been rats off a ship on him. Um, so I don't feel like that's that price is ever going to change to having to get uh, rid of Duncan until that, that deal gets a lot shorter. So, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear about the, the lack of deadline stuff on why they didn't do that. But I think it also kind of speaks to the whole deal of it, which is, you know, they probably knew coming into this thing there were going to be some roster shortcomings, and it does feel like they really rolled the dice on mm-hmm. not doing anything and some shortcut fixes and – you know, we'll see if this ends up working out for him. It's uh, it's been very uneven us thus far. Yeah, to your point, Larry's contract is at least expiring next year, so maybe it's a little bit easier if you're having even still to attach a first round pick. Maybe you can actually get something back the way that the Lakers kind of got something back for Russell Westbrook, even though Westbrook's salary was kind of considered the worst contract on the market. An expiring contract is still way more palatable to an opposing team if if draft picks are attached than a guy that has a couple more years left on his deal. So I don't know. And then the Donovan Mitchell part, um, it kind of speaks to just how the Heat were sort of like in, caught in the middle, right? Not enough draft picks to get rid of your your unwanted salaries and stay in the mix for an all-star. Not enough good young players 
to attach uh, in those trades for for all stars like Donovan Mitchell and all this stuff. So it's like, okay, if you're not going to move these picks to get off these salaries and you don't really have enough picks and young players to get an all star, you do just sort of end up in the middle hoping that somebody takes your stuff and you get a good deal back. And that's kind of where the heat have been, just sort of hoping that there's a palatable deal on the market. Um, yeah. Based on the report, though, it kind of sounded more like Miami's approach to the trade deadline was trying to move unwanted contracts rather than taking on a player that could help now. And that's, I think, a little bit concerning, right? It's, it's I, I know we're, we're viewing it as a stopgap measure, but there could have been some improvements to this roster bringing in an actual power forward or somebody who could complement Bam at a bio to some degree. And it's not just about moving Kyle Lowry, moving Duncan Robinson. And that's kind of how I'm not sure if that's just how Barry wrote the piece and that's how it's kind of framed, but it just seems like that was more of the approach rather than improving this current version of the team. And I know there are concerns from the fan base that this is another Jimmy Butler wasted season on the market here. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right approach to the trade deadline. Like, do you see it the same way or am I misreading this to some degree? No, I, I I get what you're saying, but I think that, yeah, that goes back to it sounds more than anything like if you guys want to fix your failures or you want to fix where you whiffed on stuff, you're going to have to give us stuff. And, yeah, I think that in itself is already pretty uh, demoralizing from a roster construction standpoint. There were clearly some big swings and misses uh, with this team going into this year, and it, it's not just a matter of them doing nothing or feeling like, you know, they – got worse because they didn't bring back pj tucker okay i get it i get it not wanting to you know give three years to or three years at the max because pj even said they offered three years uh at his number just you know and, and trying to figure out if this has worked or not i think it's just a matter of their big swing last year and kyle lowry really hasn't yeah. panned out at all he didn't wasn't right. effective in the playoffs and then this year he's been banged up again and so you look and you see an aging point guard, small, who you know really couldn't get to the rim at all early on in the season. That the team wasn't playing in the fourth quarter. That's the the even probably more concerning than anything is that their big swing for Jimmy Butler last year is still not panning out, and uh, you know they really need to hope that any kind of positive signs that he's showing keep going in a positive direction and will be effective for him in the postseason because they really didn't get anything out of him last year. Yeah, well, just to spin it forward then, I mean, does this make you less optimistic, more optimistic or whatever about what it is that they could potentially do over the offseason? Because if they didn't have enough stuff to get a Donovan Mitchell deal done last year or a Kevin Durant deal even, right? Like they just right. they didn't have the stuff that they needed. And I don't think that they've gotten any more stuff since right. last summer to this summer. That's sort of been the whole point. Um, and if they don't want to move a first round pick uh attached to like Kyle Lowry or Duncan Robinson in order to move off that salary if you're not getting a, a decent player back in return and if those deals weren't out there in the first place like I don't know is, is just spinning this forward I'm just trying to think like is there any reason to believe that this team could be any different going into next season it's a facet okay. yeah it's a fascinating question because I think it all really comes down to uh Tyler Hero mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting from the balance of what is he going to give you in this postseason and and how does that match up and, and that's going to be interesting kind of gamble to see of like if he they weren't willing to give him up in a donovan mitchell deal if that was just stuff let's just say theoretically it was they didn't want to move off of tyler right how the Cavs do which regular season wise they've done a lot better than the heat um and how tyler does and seeing if he can actually be that playoff contributor next to jimmy you know that's going to determine a couple things one uh, do you believe in his development still going forward? Cause he's only 23 years old and you know, is he going to be on that timeline that you need for him? 
Or is he going to impress teams enough to say, hey, we want that guy to be our building block. We're Washington here. Take Bradley Beal for this, uh, you know, for the stretch run of this, just theoretically throwing out a name. Um, so I think it really does come down to Tyler and, and showing what can he be as a playoff contributor? Is he going to be good enough to be that scoring guy? Because really when it comes down to all these third star looking for that guy, it's looking for that go-to score in the postseason. That's not Jimmy Butler. Uh, Bam is going to obviously contribute in a whole lot of different ways. I think everybody knows that he's a valuable postseason player. It's, it really does come down to uh, to hero and, and what that turns into, not only just for what kind of asset is he, or do we believe in this guy going forward? Yeah. I mean, this team said before the year, and it was a very accurate read, we're going to go as far as Bam and Tyler take us. You know what you're getting from Jimmy. I think they thought they knew what they would get some, from somebody like Kyle Lowry. It turns out they didn't. But, um, yeah, if, if Bam is the best player on the Heat, then this Heat team's ceiling changes a lot. And if Tyler can be that guy, to your point, Brandon, in the playoffs – then this team's ceiling changes a lot, just like we saw in the bubble. Um, we will uh, talk a little bit more about what's going on in the present. Miami's playoff chase here in a second. But first, David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It's so easy to play the game. You can just make an entry in under 60 seconds or less, and it's just you versus the numbers. If they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money in any entry. You just pick this as six players, and that's all it takes. And there's no compete against other people. Like I said, just the projected numbers. And prize picks offers projections at any sport that you watch, including the NBA, NFL, college football, men's college basketball, home games, uh, so many other sports. Any sport you can think of, you've got there at prize picks, and they can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals, and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit 100 bucks, PricePix will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50, PricePix gives you 50. So don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to 100 dollars by downloading the PricePix apps or, or going to PricePix.com today. Lockdown Eat is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please do subscribe. Um, I meant to wear my Hurricanes hat for this show. I forgot. Just totally whiffed. Had the Marlins one right next to me. Just grabbed that one. Never looked uh, at that, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they're bringing the – the they're going to open the season in the throwbacks, right? Did I read that right? Yeah, I think they're opening the season. I think they're wearing them every Friday. But they're only the teal, not the black, which I, I think are both are great. But uh, yeah. uh, they should just go back to them permanently. Yeah, but I'm a sucker what, for nostalgia. Same. Why are we wasting our time here? Um, all right. What was the most disappointing thing to you about the Nets loss? <laughs> I mean, just the complete gutlessness of the second half, like all of it. It was just, you know, you have this whole weekend that's built around your captain who is just, you know, personified and toughness and getting it out of the mud and, you know, staying ready and all that type of stuff. And it gets off to a cool start and Max Struess is lighting it up and you have everything on the line this week and it, and it's just taking on a team that is so it seems packed in on the year i mean brooklyn mm -hmm. was in a free fall then they end up losing the next night like it's right there for you they're basically begging here and true to this team's form just when you feel like maybe it's starting to come together maybe it's starting to 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 get right they go and lay these like duds Usually it's against really bad teams. I yep. would say the Nets are a fine team, but have definitely been trending towards, hey, we're ready to kind of wrap this puppy up, get us <laughs> out of the play-in, and let's call it a day. And you essentially, you know, give a jolt to their season 
by rolling over like that. And yeah, I just, it was, it was definitely not the angriest I've been at a loss this year. Cause I would, I, I would say that the magic overtime takes the cake on that. Mm, yeah. But it was like the most just disgusted. Blech. I've yeah. been just put, <laughs> yeah. like, really? Like that's, that's what you're going to do with, with, yeah. with all the marbles that's on the line here. And so, it was definitely deflating. It was definitely deflating. It wasn't the most uh, angry I've been at a loss, but I would say deflating is the word I would use. Mm, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the blame for the loss. I was at the game covering it, and then uh, seeing the ultra crowd, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stick around. I thought I thought I could escape at halftime and, and make it back by a decent hour. I wound up getting stuck in traffic anyway. Go, go ultra, oh. and then uh, at the same time, I'm like checking my phone away back, thinking it's a, start, a hot start, comfortable lead, should be fine. And maybe it's going to be a clutch game because, well, that's Miami. And at the same time, seeing down 21, I'm going, what the? Did I just see this right? It's not possible that they could give up that many points in the third quarter. And yet they're finding new ways to snatch defeat from the hands of victory. Uh, it's the exact opposite of what Miami showed against the Knicks loss, which is what makes it so much more difficult, is that against the Knicks, a much better opponent that's challenged Miami all season long, and yet they showed the kind of grit, tenacity, the identity, everything that makes this Heat team or potentially special and has been their identity ever since Jimmy Butler joined the team. And then this where they kind of just say, you know what, that half was enough. Let's just roll over and see what happens. And uh, true to form, that's exactly what they did. So that was the disappointing well, part is that it showed a, a complete lack of just an, an imperative nature to the season here. Yeah, I agree. Like last year to me, what defined this team was that every time they had an opportunity to go out and grab something or hold on to something like last <laughs> year's team just held on for dear life all the way into Jimmy Butler's shot at the end of game seven, when it looked like that team should have gotten eliminated by the Celtics in five or six games. They just held on for dear life. There was a desperation about that group and urgency about that group. And that was its best skill. You could argue last year and this year it's completely gone. And I look at what's going on with the defensive issues too. And I might as, might as well just uh, transition into that because it kind of is all the same thing. People are wondering, you know, what's going on with this team's defense pre all-star post all-star. And we can get into the advanced stats and I have a couple of them here, but you just watch the games and they just a team like the nets allowing them to do what they did in the third quarter and the fourth quarter against you. I, I, I don't know that you need advanced stats to, to, to show what it is that's wrong with this heat defense. They just don't care as much as they did last year when, when they had an opportunity to go out and grab something, they were just like, I don't know. And, um, I wonder if entitlement might be a strong word, but maybe there's a sense right. of, hey, we're the Miami Heat. We're going to be good defensively no matter what. But you really got to work for that kind of thing. I hinted at the stats. I'll give them to you anyway. Pre-All-Star, post-All-Star, all right? Miami was forcing 16.9 turnovers a game pre-All-Star. 14.3 turnovers per game post-All-Star. Opponent three-point sh uh, shooting. Pre-All-Star, 36.7%. Post-All-Star, 38.6%. Offensive rebounds allowed before all-Star, they were allowing just 8.6 offensive rebounds a game, which was the best mark in the NBA, the fewest allowed. And then now a middling 10.3 offensive rebounds. Like, this is just simply not closing out, not jumping those passing lanes with the same amount of aggression, and not, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, not boxing out at the same rate that you were defensively, too. And, and I just look, those are effort. That's all effort stuff. That's it. Are you kind of pinning this on Kevin Love? Because he's the only change no, after the All-Star break, right? I'm not. Not at all. I mean, they did change a little bit of what they wanted to do defensively with Kevin Love. They tried to get a little bit more solid defensively as opposed to just trying to create these turnovers. It was more of a smoke and mirrors defense before the All-Star break. Um, but I can't blame them for that. I, I don't think it's a Kevin Love thing. I, I think it's just as a team, this team's exhausted. It's been a long season. What do you think, Brendan? 
I don't dismiss it being a Kevin Love thing. Like I was asking this like after four games after the All-Star break. And one of the things that stood out to me, because I'm not an advanced stats guy, just for your audience's measure, I couldn't tell you per wharf, whatever the hell. I am not that guy. I'm an eye test guy. Uh, every once in a while, I remember when we got into per back in the day with the big three. That was cute. Um, <laughs> but I just, I think we all know it's like the one thing that has been the defining thing about this season and why it's, I think, been so exhausting. And it's kind of funny. I read like a quote from Bam today where he's like, oh, the season's flown by. I'm like, well, I'm glad it has for you because it's, <laughs> this has felt like the most, uh, this, yes. this has felt like the, the, long the twilight zone of seasons. But, um, <laughs> I think the thing that's been every game has been the same. Like I'll literally joke whether it's you guys or whoever I have a mm-hmm. press row. It's like, you know, be like, gosh, could I get up? Like, it doesn't matter. It's going to end with it being a three point game at the end. We know that inbounds play, but yeah. one thing that was noticeable after the also break is wow. The margins when they, when they didn't show up, the margins just seemed like they were getting a little bit bigger and they have let a couple more games just kind of just get away, you know, mm-hmm. bucks, Philly last weekend, you know, that has been noticeable. And I don't know if that is a case of, uh, should we really dig in for this one? I don't know if that is a Kevin Love thing. They're trying, they were trying to get to know each other, get to get all that stuff mixed together. Um, the thing with Bam is an interesting thing because hmm. we thought that Kevin was going to be the perfect piece next to him. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if that has been the case. And what I think it is, is like Kevin is kind of known for that get the rebound, get the ball down uh, down the court, which that kind of can take the ball out of Bam's hands. If he is getting right. rebounds and take the ball, you know, one of the things that makes him special, he's a big that can go facilitate. He can go just run the offense. And so you're kind of taking those opportunities away from him. So the rebounding thing doesn't necessarily bother me so much because I get it, you know, rebounds will come and go, long bounces. But, like, I do think that takes the, the ball out of Bam's hands right away. And it's not necessarily the the perfect fit there. And also, you know, Kevin hasn't been a lighted up shooter since he's been here. That's the biggest thing. I think. Um, you know, so I think that's that's been a factor as well. But yeah, it, I think to everybody, it hasn't looked terrible because they've basically still been the same team about 500 since he's been here. But the way they've lost those games, I feel like they're worse. They're, I feel like their floor has looked a lot worse with him here mm. than necessarily and it's not all on him it's just it's all kind of just balanced out that way i just it's been noticeable since they've gone the switch um some things have been good i like caleb martin coming off the bench i think that it's a lot more natural for him i think that he's he's looked fantastic at times um but yeah i don't necessarily know if that has been a a great equation but they're kind of stuck with it i don't feel like they have anywhere to go david last word before we go to break here no, I, I kind of agree. It, it has made uh, it has seemed a little bit more obvious that that you know without Caleb there, he, he at least provides that kind of defensive energy and tenacity to play those games in the mud that Eric Spolster loves so much. But with him off the floor, except you know coming off the bench, I think you do wind up squandering those double digit leads, and and, and <laughs> you know you wind up giving up double digit deficits as a result. So it's interesting there. I. Look, I, I think the offense has been better with Kevin there, so you can't necessarily put the blame in there. But a lot of that has, mm-hmm. I think, the regression to the mean in terms of the three-point shooting. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of gone back to levels that were a lot more in, closer to what this team is capable of. So uh, you can't blame him, and you can't give him necessarily credit for restoring things either to their norm on, on the offensive end. So it's just uh, – I'm curious to see what happens during the playoffs because it just seems like that would probably – 
trend even worse because he's not a great defender at this point in his career. Well, let's get to our playoff predictions next. But first, uh, our sponsor. Yeah, uh, this episode is brought to you by Built. The Built March Madness bracket is here. You know you've got a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make a count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'll be voting for the Cookies and Cream Bar. And just like you want the Heat to win, you should vote for your favorite Built Bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you do vote, uh, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Lockdown fan will win a 12-month subscription, a full year, to get a free box. I'm uh, sorry, to get Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. 100% covered in chocolate. They're great. Have all the nutrients you're looking for. They're all high in protein, low in sugar. And again, 100% real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. Lockdown Heat is on Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, LockdownHeat at gmail.com. Reach us on Twitter using that hashtag, AskLOHeat. We'll get to our Heat culture bracket here in a second. But, uh, okay, so the Heat had a chance to go get the number six seed this weekend. Didn't do it. They're tied right now with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, by record, they don't own the tiebreaker over the Brooklyn Nets. So right now the Heat are in seventh place. But with a few games left, Brendan, where do you think the Heat end up? What seed? Um, I looked at their schedule this morning, and I thought to myself – a normal team, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a normal team should probably look at this and go like, "Hey, honestly, from betting, they should probably go." Uh, what do they got? Seven left, five and two. If it was just right. based on like you were going on betting, they probably won't be favored in New York, and they probably wouldn't be favored in Philly, assuming that those teams, you know, stars played. But then I like was talking to this today about the uh, the Orlando Magic game. I'm like. Man, is there if like that game actually meant something? Is there a team I want to face less than the Orlando Magic for this Heat team because of just how much of a pain in the butt they've been for them to face all year? But I don't know. Probably if I had my guess, had this team probably go four and three. That's probably what they're gonna do. They're probably gonna be a little bit better than average. Uh, And I guess I haven't looked at Brooklyn's schedule. I I know that they end against the. uh, I know they end against Philly. I'll bring it up right now. Uh, You know. Houston, Atlanta, Utah, Minnesota, Detroit, Orlando, Philly. Eh, It's a little bit. I guess I would say it's a little bit stronger than what Miami's facing. And it feels like, look, they Brooklyn has been in a free fall. I I can't believe that they they that's what makes the loss so flabbergasting. Mm -hmm. I think they'll still finish ahead of them. If I had to guess, I would say that they'll probably finish in that sixth spot. Um but, yeah, Brooklyn's you know, only going to be favored in three of those games, whereas, to your point, the Heat will probably be favored in at least four of their final games. We'll see what happens. I mean, that really means nothing at this point for either of those teams, but you're, I think you're right. It's, it's okay, four and three, best-case scenario, probably for the – five and two is the best-case scenario, probably, but let's just assume four and three for the sake of this argument. Then you're back to just hoping that the Nets continue to slide. I mean, this team could go seven and zero, oh, just as likely as they could go two and five, too, right? That's so, uh, it, It's so impossible to tell. Uh, I, I'm going to go on the uh, positive side here, just as I have all season. I, I think they finished up the season five and two. Um, I think they wind up even eclipsing the the Knicks for the fifth spot. I think that's within the realm of possibility. They'll win against Toronto. Back. Yeah, they win against Toronto, win against New York, and New York will drop a couple games here and there. I think Jalen Brunson probably still has some nagging injury. Who knows? Maybe they'll they'll fall apart. That's where the the lack of a Jimmy Butler and the playoff experience, et cetera, plays a role. New York, uh, you know, still relatively inexperienced when they're challenged like this. I could see Miami still finding a way to win, although I'm talking completely out so of my ass because I have no so idea. Yeah, you're predicting fifth seed. 
Yeah, yeah. Fifth seed, okay, five and two finish. All right, yeah. that's bold. At least you got that. Uh, I'll I'll be a little less bold. I'll go six seed. I've been bullish on Miami getting the six seed. I I, I shouldn't say I see no reason to come off of that. There's been plenty of reasons to come off of it, but I'm I'm going to stay on it. Um, Brendan, I'm curious when you look at who the who it is that the Heat could face in the first round, assuming that they get out of this playing tournament, it could still be basically anybody, right? Even if they end up in the playing tournament and coming out of it and ending up at the eighth seed or or the seventh seed, or if they end up getting the sixth seed, or if David's right and they end up at the fifth seed, like any one of the top four seeds is a possible matchup for Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Cleveland. If you could rank those quickly, like uh, in terms of the team that you are most, I don't know, how do you want to do this? Most scared of facing in the first round versus least scared of or, or something like that? Like how would you rank them? Um, if they ended up in a scenario where they have to face the Bucks first off, I think that's a tough, the toughest task. Mm-hmm, um, sure. I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. Boston, uh, I'll give them, you know, with their additions of depth and just knowing that, look, that was a, that's been a dogfight no matter what. So I think that's, it's just a tough way to open the series. We saw that, uh, in 21 when they had to go up against Milwaukee right away. I, I do think that there's an element of, you know, having to work up to those series. And yeah. I just, I, I do think that, you know, Spo, it's going to be interesting, you know, like, is Spo going to have some kind of a switch once they get to the playoffs? Like, is there going to be a, a Goran Dragic type mm-hmm. of move with Kyle back to the starting lineup? Are they going to work those things out? So that's why that would worry me having to just kind of say, hey, we got to buckle in right away and take on one of the elite teams in this conference. Uh, as far as the other two top seeds, I'm going to rank Cleveland uh ahead of philly i just don't respect philly i'm sorry i don't respect them i will never respect them joel Embiid is a flopper the dude is the dude is the dude is the clumsiest big man i've ever seen in my life he's probably gonna win mvp great for him you know who else has a lot of mvps his little running mate there and james harden there's nobody you should trust less than a playoff series i don't care you can tell me that that series at any time i will take the heat i will take the heat in five against the Sixers. wow I don't believe in them. They are frauds. We have spent so much time and so much energy hoping, praying, wishing, no matter the characters, no matter the places, that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be a thing. They're not going to be a thing. They'll either get bounced by the heat or they'll get bounced in the second round. They will not make the conference finals. That is what's going to happen. Cleveland, here's the thing with Cleveland. I think Cleveland is just an interesting team to take on. Now, I think Miami's shown some pretty uh, – has looked good against them. Uh, after after getting drubbed earlier in the year, even though I know they were banged up, uh, but they're just interesting. I mean, they're unique with their size. They have a they have a, a playoff killer in Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I just like their roster. I think that they have a lot of things uh, that are just interesting, and and they don't really have that stink on them that that the Philadelphia 76ers do. So, <laughs> if I have to rank it, uh, I would go uh, most worried about an opening series against the Bucks, Celtics. Cavs and then least worried about the Sixers. Wow. We got some bold predictions on the show. David being like, ah, he'll get the fifth seed. Brennan saying that the the Sixers will lose in five. I love it. Some good predictions on this one. Um <laughs> David, do you wanna do you wanna take your shot or should we just move on to the heat culture? No, bracket? let's go let's go into the uh the, the bracket here. All right. So Brennan, for uh so just so you know what we're doing here during March Madness, we have been ranking um we have been we've we've been holding a bracket challenge about the culturiest heat culture people in heat history. So uh, an office coaches represents yeah, heat culture the most. Yeah. So Eric Reed has recently moved on for instance. And so has, <laughs> uh, and so has Alonzo morning and Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade. So that's, it's kind of the gamut. Yeah. So let's get to our first matchup here. 
Bam Adebayo versus PJ Brown. Seven seed Bam versus 26 seed PJ Brown. Uh, David, tell us a little bit about PJ. I mean, uh, he was part of that whole uh, redefining of the Heat identity under Pat Riley. Joined as a free agent, right? It was this, the, the summer they 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 missed out on Jawan Howard and Gary Payton because those deals were voided by the NBA. Uh, because there were some uh, fishy circumstances there. We, uh, the, the Heat front office doing their their work, but unfortunately, David starts saying not so fast, and then they wound up kind of saying, oh, well, well, we'll take P.J. Brown, who was, uh, I think, a former New Jersey net at the time, and he wound up joining you know, Alonzo Mourning in that front court. Great compliment to Alonzo. Best weak side help defender in the NBA, according to Pat Riley. I mean, what a compliment that is. And, of course, he's known for flipping Charlie Ward on his ass yeah. in the middle of a playoff series. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a huge, iconic moment and heat history uh you can't really you can't, i don't really want to take it away from pj but his tenure was so short in miami and did not translate into a lot of success and and we're seeing bam as the culture carrier for this organization yeah. moving forward i kind of feel like you have to go with bam on this one no doubt brendan what do you think uh would agree i mean i think we saw last week with the whole selfie thing between yeah. uh you know bam and Wade. and ud and d wade and and Spo, even Spo, uh, I asked him about that at practice, and he was like, you know, that's that's it right there. Like that's past, present, and and uh, and future all lined up. So I feel like he's get he gets the seal of approval from like the elders, the the Heat right. culture elders. So I, I'm gonna go with uh, with Bam. Yeah. So we seeded this obviously before that selfie. Bam being a seven seed might end up being too low with that kind of bestowment that's been thrust upon him. Like this guy could go far. Um, all right, so Bam moves on over P.J. Brown. Good game, B.J. Our next matchup, 23-seed Grant Long versus 10-seed <laughs> Keith Askins, who feels like he's been a part of the Miami Heat for 35 years. Yeah. It's, it's Keith Askins. I mean, it has to be. He stood up to run our test as an assistant coach. Like, uh, that guy, he's, he's, he's all dog in him. He was just a guy who never really had a lot of talent, but he wound up clawing and fighting through everything. Like, one of the few holdovers – from the pre-Riley era, because Riley was like, dude, I need this guy in my team regardless. He's a 3 and D type, kind of set the the standard for that 3 and D type player from James Posey to Shane Battier on down. Uh, and he's still part of the Heat organization like 30 years later, so he's definitely moving on. He, he could be an upset. He's, he's a Cinderella story if there ever was one. How are you guys? How are you guys? Is this like going up to Twitter vote? Or are you guys? Yeah. Are you guys just you know you putting along people forward? Like how is how has this been going for you guys? Twitter breaks the tie, and that has not been a thing early okay. yeah. in the bracket very time. much. But uh, I I have a feeling like as we matriculate through this thing, Twitter could be a very helpful tiebreaker because at some point David and I are going to argue. But so far, it's been pretty seamless. Um, all right, should we do the next matchup? What do we got it here? Boom. I'm excited for this wow. one. 11 seed Birdman versus 22 seed. <laughs> Hold it right there, Ron Ross. What do you got, Ronnie? What do you got, Ronnie? What do you got for me? <laughs> you guys, you guys seated Ron Rothstein below Birdman. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, who was the who selection this. committee on this? We don't, we're still I, trying to find out. We have no idea. It was West. What a <laughs> slap in the face to Ron Rothstein. <laughs> I mean, the guy, that, the Spo won't start a press conference without looking at Ron Ross. Yeah. It's like he doesn't what know do you what got to for do. Me, Ronnie? Like, yeah, that's his, his like, opening line every time. Like, he coached like, the Miami soul for crying out loud. Like, he, he, he was he's the WNBA head coach for the Miami team. Like, and he's been there from the beginning, their first head coach. Like, he's in every heat story. Like, he's still there. I mean, come on. It's Ron Rothstein and Birdman. Is. Great addition in 2013, right? Or, yeah, but he's still, yeah. like, you know, it's just. 
I mean, he is a, yeah, he's like an all time fan favorite. I don't know if I necessarily would call him heat culture. Like, if the category was messing with Jason Jackson during interviews, then yes, I would, he would be a one seed. But to put him ahead of Ron Rothstein, Ron Rothstein, the inaugural coach. All right. So we got an upset. Jesus, guys. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who, I don't know who seeded this. You guys are taking it out on me. It's not my fault. (laughs) All right. Last matchup. Oh, seven uh, seed Mario Chalmers, the six seed Udonis Haslam. We did receive the seeds before the recent Mario Chalmers uh, viral. Nobody scared scared of Mario Chalmers. Is that what you're trying to get at? No, and I love this picture of Udonis Haslam. Yeah, it's on every poster that they gave away this weekend, too. So. That's true. Haslam moves on. All right. Any any thoughts, uh, Brandon, on, on the, the Chalmers stuff? Uh, the only thing that I thought I, – I, the only thing that I was annoyed with, honestly, is I like I, I thought that Tristan Thompson took it a little strong, to be honest mm, with yeah. you. Like, I was like, hey, man. First of all, I find it strange that, like, all of these Cavaliers from LeBron's 2016 team are, like, all over the media. I think it rivals probably that of the 08 Celtics of like, wow, we get these guys' opinions on stuff a lot. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's it was always a fun thing to make fun of Mario Chalmers. Do not get me wrong. I mean, his level of frustration for Heat fans, I don't know if anybody will ever top that title of like no. people just being frustrated with his irrational confidence. That being said, one of the things that was always charming about him is the dude at onions. And at yep. times he could just show up. LeBron's out cramped in the middle of a finals game. There is Mario Chalmers to help step up and take over with D Wade to go win him a finals game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just felt that I, I kind of got what Mario was alluding to because one of the things that people forget and that LeBron was really, you know, made fun of for, for coming here is that he didn't have this fear factor. He always choked. He came to Miami as a guy who couldn't get past the Celtics, who always seemed to come up small. And then when he came to Miami, it's cool to say now, wow, that was the best version of LeBron James. I I remember doing a radio show till four in the morning, the night they lost to the Mavericks. Oh my God. And somebody's like, we got to trade him for Dwight Howard. Like people, that's how nutty people were on the LeBron stuff. And so I kind of got what Mario was saying of of the the fear factor for LeBron really didn't hit there until one beating the Celtics in their building in, in, uh, in game six, and then getting over the top and getting his ring. Like this, this, this invincibility that we have about LeBron was not how he was treated when he was first down here. So Mm -hmm. I thought that Tristan Thompson was a little overly sensitive. And I think all of these guys who kind of got that other version of LeBron when they got, you know, as a, as a card carrying member of team petty, I was very into the weeds on all, things uh, that were going awry with the Cavaliers at that time too. All of these guys got to look at LeBron as this guy who came back to Cleveland as holier than thou. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for blessing us, LeBron, and coming back to Cleveland. Thank you so much, LeBron, for for gracing us with your presence. And, you know, he would, like, take moves willing that he would belittle David Blatt. He would cast off Dion Waiters. He, he 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 was the king. He yeah. wasn't that when he came here. He was a no. guy like he was the best. Don't get me wrong. Like the most talented player in the league, bar none. But that that winning invincibility reputation wasn't there yet. So I kind of got what Mario was saying. It's just, you know, in this uh, NBA central world that we live in, like, yeah, you're going to get you're going to get killed. I just thought that Tristan Thompson 
well, way too sensitive. He got Thompson paid too. Like we're all kind of overlooking. He got a huge contract as a result of playing alongside LeBron. Of course, he's his agent. Like, yeah, no, no it's like I, I. That's the thing that's funny about it, and it's like you look. He is for those guys in that era. It's so they look at him in such a different way than everybody did when he came down here. Which, yeah, we all saw this night in and night out. And I think the thing that's interesting for Heat fans. We got to just enjoy the product. Everybody was so busy hating on LeBron back mm -hmm. then. Right. Too many people weren't watching how good this guy was. And now everybody's like, oh, that was the best version of Well, you guys weren't saying that when it was happening. Oh. You were saying that this guy was uh, – you guys were saying this guy was scared. You were trying to give KD the mantle. You were trying to give Kobe the mantle. So I just thought my guy Shalmers, I thought he took a – I thought he took some unnecessary heat from Tristan Thompson who – Again, these Cavaliers, I mean, they they all run to kiss LeBron's ass so much. It's like him, Kendrick Perkins, Richard Jefferson. Like, my God. I mean, who else do you want to bring out bring out here to to, to yeah, the perch, perch, Le yeah, perch LeBron up some more? Where's Birdman on first take? Put him on first take and give us some takes. That's right. He probably he probably just grunt. I mean, like that's probably <laughs> yeah. what he would just do. But is that the best version of LeBron? Yeah. I, yeah, uh, you know, I, I got I got this guy up here hosing. He's like he's like the Cavaliers version of Roni Turioff hosing down Mario Chalmers. Are you kidding me? Uh, one word answer: Would Mario Chalmers have hit the shot at the end of Game Six? Yes, I agree. Yes, can't prove it that it it wouldn't have happened. Um, Brandon, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, blessing us with your presence. Uh, coming back to Lockdown Heat. Wow. Here's Tobin in the building, raising us up. We appreciate it, man. Uh, as always, 10 to 2 WQAM with Leroy, uh, a must listen uh, for South Florida sports fans, not just Heat fans. Thanks so much for jumping on. And thank you guys for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. And now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked on game to game. Covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. It's available in the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.